Welcome to another episode of Men Talk About. I am your host, Paul Newell. And I'm I'm excited. I'm always excited for these podcasts and, and, and for you all that are listening to hear the gems that are about to be dropped on your eardrums and in your brainstem. And in this episode today, uh, this this my guest is has been in my mastermind group on Monday mornings for the past year and a half. And I've witnessed him grow over the time as he's witnessed me grow and evolve. Um, both of us have are building something special. And I, I'm really excited that I got an opportunity to uh, connect with Scott on this in this podcast and on this vehicle because I think he's got so much wisdom and gems to share. And look, rather than me telling you that, listen for yourself. Uh, give this one a listen. A lot of gems in here. Take notes, pause, reflect, all that good stuff. Um, really soak it in because there's a lot of wisdom here and uh, a lot of things that uh, as men, um, we can use professionally and personally. Uh, really in how we manage life because life really is a strategy. So enjoy and uh, I will connect with you at the end of the session. Scott Mason, everybody, everybody, Scott Mason. This is Paul Newell as well. (laughs) I'm here, men talk about podcasts. Oh boy, I am, I am feeling connected and grounded and really excited for all that are tuned in to hear these words today. For those that are tuning in for the first time, welcome to the podcast. This is Men Talk About. This is a podcast for men, masculine energy. Um, And this is about men's education, men's uh, inner work, um, men's guidance, men's mentorship, and talking about topics that men in our society tend to shy away from or tend to really uh, be a uh, step away from diving into. So in this podcast, we like to have some authentic conversation. And today, uh, because also this is also about men's development. Today, we got my guy here, Scott Mason. Listen, this dude, over the past God, how long we had our? How long have we been in this mastermind? Probably like a year and a half. I was exactly what I was thinking. It's got to be about that amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah, Scott and I, we've been connected for at least I'm going to say at least a year yeah. and a half uh, yeah. to a mastermind. We meet every Monday morning. Yeah. It is. It has been uh, an absolute uh, pleasure to be able to be in the space space with you, Scott, because we've seen we've seen each other grow through a lot yeah. of stuff, man, and. You know, I'm super excited to to have you here and to hear your perspective on some of the things I was thinking of when I was thinking about having you on and for people to get to hear it. So um, so let me give a quick intro to this guy. I'm going to turn it over to you to add into anything, uh, some things. So Scott, um, where do I start? I'm going to call, I'm going to start off saying Scott is an entrepreneur. Scott has, has varied experience, whether it's in law, government personal development, small business ownership, speaking engagements. I mean, like this dude is, uh, I consider him like a Swiss army knife. He's like his own Avengers team. God damn it. He, I mean, listen, you need some more work. I can go. I, I got that. 
<laughs> you know, you know, it's like, it's like, I, you know, it's like point what just came to mind was I remember as a kid there was this softies to advertise with like everything you wanted is in there, right? Like, yo, I want, I want garlic, it's in there. Well, you know, I want some coke, it's in there. So like, I see, I see Scott is like Scott. You just have such a, you have a wonderful collection of experience, and also with that, Scott has a a wonderful um uh, combination and collaboration of his wisdom and soul. And I've seen him grow and in in various ways. Um, and and he today I'm gonna have Scott coming in to talk about something um with his business concept and what and Scott what you're putting out there now around the concepts of growth, scale, and sustain. Growth, scale, and sustain. And um, before, we, before we do it, I ask my first question. Scott, I want to just chime in. Is there anything else for right now you'd like the people to know about you before we dive into a combo? I think the only thing that I would want to know, I want folks to know, is that um, I have really enjoyed getting to know you. The mastermind that we have been in together has been an avenue for extreme, profound growth. My company's motto, I have two ventures that I am running right now. One of them, Scott Mason LLC, is a small business consulting services. And the motto, as you correctly stated, was grow, scale, and sustain. And one of the things I'm sure we'll hit on a little bit further, that you have been instrumental in both modeling in your own life um, for me, as well as helping me along, has been exactly what you just said around that motto, grow, scale, sustain. Um, because that's what we all need to do, and we're all striving to do, if we want our businesses or our life goals to be everything that's possible. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens. Mm. Mm. Yep. See. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're going. You bring it out in people, Paul. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I blame you. I blame you. <laughs> I will gladly receive. I'll gladly take that. Yes, sir. So listen, this is this is, uh, and thank you for that, Scott, for putting out for 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 claiming those things because um, I think it's important people know that know that about you and what you're looking to do. And this the the conversation that for those that are listening and those that will see this, the conversation is really um, this can be from the personal standpoint and also from from the professional standpoint because you know it's that concept how we do one thing is how we do everything. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Scott, the, the first question I, I want to ask, I'm just going to put this in gallery view. First question to, I want to ask of you is, is what, what had you uh, pick growth, scale, sustain to build your platform on? What, what was that? Was it a life experience or what was, uh, take us, give us a little background on that. Yeah. So uh, the enterprises that I'm working on now are actually the second set of, or actually the sort of second phase of my life as an entrepreneur. When we first met, I was the co-owner of a company called the Brooklyn Press. And the Brooklyn Press was a silk screen printing company for apparel and accessories. It started out um, as just basically a two-man show, me and a 50% business partner. Uh, we had a free intern who worked part-time with us at a little in a little factory in Brooklyn. And over time, um, we had ambitions that were big. And during the time that my business partner and I together, we were able to grow and scale the company. We are able to set systems in place that were setting it up for long-term sustainability, not some sort of flash-in-the-pan thing that grows and then slams down to the ground. Um, and it was a wonderful thing. 
because we really believed in what we were doing. The idea of having it grow, scale, and sustain really was not just about um, us making more money or us being able to have some sort of bragging rights to anything, but really a belief in what we were doing and the value we were providing to our clients. And in order to magnify that and sort of amplify the effect of that in the world, all of those things became necessary. You know, just as a practical matter, economy of scale is something that we needed to achieve in order to really stand out and, like I said, add that value for those that we wanted to serve. I found it to be an extraordinarily enjoyable and life-changing process. And you it like did the process. As, yeah. And I think That's that, you know, it goes as to one of the things that you talked about earlier was as we went on that journey, um, I began to realize as an entrepreneur and a small business owner, who and what that small business is, what its ultimate destiny is, is inextricably tied to who and what the owners are and what their destiny is. I mean, it's sort of a subcategory of the bigger category of study of the impact of leadership, what a company mm. ultimately becomes, what its impact in the world is, what legacy it leaves, is very, very closely tied to the leadership. But because the scale of the company that, and the entrepreneurial and small business stage is so much tighter and the intertwinement is so much greater, that correlation is magnified. Um, I moved on from the Brooklyn Press uh, in 2019. But the belief I had in the power of really positive entrepreneurial visions being able to amplify and magnify their impact and the vision of the owners out into the world was something that I, has stayed with me and something I really enjoy being a part of, of um, working with my clients. And it's an amazing process. Yeah, it's, it, and I could tell, I, could, I, I, had, I must say, when we first met, you were at the Brooklyn Press. Yes. Right? And yeah. I saw, I mean, from that point, I saw the enthusiasm that you put into building that business yeah. and what you put into it. And I, I, I experience you now, especially as you've been putting, putting your materials together and you're, and you're getting out there and like in your, in your marketing as well, and like your videos, you, haven't, you, you entered into another gear. And when when you when you talk about the vision, um, because it said what I'm what I heard you what I'm hearing you say is like when the vision became clear, it's like the 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 ways to grow scale thing also did those fall in alignment or was it something that uh, okay you you started diving into one or the other like what was that like when you when the vision came? Yeah, it's interesting. Or yeah, so I'm going to step back a little bit about that and talk about the Brooklyn Press. Yeah. Because I think that that actually sort of set the stage and may have some lessons for some of the folks listening here, or at least give them something to chew on in their mind. My business partner and I were aligned at first with regards to the idea of growing and scaling that business. From his perspective, I think that he wanted to make more money. He understood the impact of economy of scale and really had... Um, believe that there was a space in the market for t-shirt printers that were providing the high quality work that we did. And we, you know, had explosive revenue growth during the time we were together. So his feelings around that were utterly borne out by the outcomes that we were able to achieve. That being said, it's one thing to dream about and enjoy and 
plan and imagine growing and scaling and then creating an infrastructure that is sustainable, which requires a lot of work and a lot of ongoing work and a huge amount of sacrifice. It's another thing to actually live it. So one of the things that happened during our time together was that we ended up opening another much larger production space in another city, upstate New York. So for us to start as a two-man shop, um, and then you know within a couple of years opening you know a whole new facility while keeping that original shop open, it was a huge growth stretch for us. It was very taxing. It took a lot of work, um, and I think that from his perspective, and I don't fault him for this and never have. Sometimes you go through something and you realize it might not be exactly what you want it to be. It might require things of you that you could not have ever seen. And the doing of that is the undoing of it. You know, my husband was an mm. actor for a long time. He had dreamed since he was a little boy of being an actor. Well, he was an actor. He was in a play that ended up being on Broadway. The doing of that was the undoing of it for him. He didn't have any desire to do it anymore after that. And I think that that's what happened with my business partner. I, on the other hand, found that growth process to really tie in closely to who I was as a human being. Almost what mm. I would say, my providential role. And so as my business partner was feeling ambivalence or maybe not ready to move at quite the, or not wanting to move at the same pace that I was, I was ready to jet ahead and start opening locations in other cities and was mm. no problem, no issue with the concept of putting in whatever work it took to do that. Make whatever sacrifices were necessary. When you have conflicting visions, then at that point, you know, the company was no longer sustainable in, its iterate, in the iteration that it was. And so we amicably decided to split and he, and he bought me out. The reason why I mention all of that in answer to your question mm -hmm. is that the whole process for me of growing, scaling, and building a sustainable company tapped into something fundamental within me to such an extent that I knew that that was the stream that I needed to be swimming in. And so walking into the next phase, I had had the experience before to help me understand this is where I want to go. Now, right. what that new set of enterprises might look like in other words, what the current path that I'm walking might ultimately end up being is, of course, totally different from an apparel manufacturing company, which is what I did before. Right. But the underlying ethos, the value system that's driving me is not only the same, but if anything, it's accelerating. Yeah, value system. Value. Absolutely. So, you, so, so I want to take a pause because there was a there was a oh man, we're about to we're about to dive in because like there's so, the, the 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 piece there's several pieces that I took away from this what you were saying right as because it's literally you guys were growing as a business you took I remember when this was going down like you had I think that's when we connected actually when you had just taken up that other space um, yeah to expand absolutely. and. This is the piece with growth in life or in anything else, right? There's a piece of the expansion that's that's of uh, the growth that stretches, that's like gonna tear at the seams, that's gonna tear yeah. at the mind, at the soul, at the spirit. And oh, yeah. the second piece that I think is really relevant to, to what you're saying 
is in that scalability, there has there there gets to be some sort of detachment because it's like in the relationship is like is the is the is the now now think about it, is the aim the same? Yeah. Like is the aim the same? And if and if not, like okay, cool. Like okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna. I was funny. We talk, I was talking about this yesterday, and I felt for some relationship questions with my lady, and it's like, oh man, like we're talking about this and then processing. I'm like, yeah. this is a great question, because like people can grow, and then if, if say for example, if you are if if you had um, failed to really say what was real for you, and like how this all of a sudden accelerated this like fire, like yo, look what we did, like yeah, yeah. what? Then all of a sudden it's like it could and this is what happens in life and this is what can stunt a lot of uh, people's growth because people will want to stay like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna push myself down this down or i'm gonna stay status quo yeah. i'm gonna do this yeah. and the thing that i appreciate about what you did is there was a communication and then there was a resolution yeah. like okay hey look, look listen i'm on my path like you, you're more fulfilled and he's on his path. It's like, okay, he's got the business, he's going to do what he wants. And it's like, it's his aim now and his vision. Yeah. So it's, it's really, man, there's so much I want to unpack here with this. So uh, I was like, <laughs> what? So this is interesting because when you talk the growth piece, that's the growth, just coming to this space of um, how you two have grown, right? How you grew and how he grew and in, 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 in shifting perspective. Yeah. Now, for you, what would you say for someone that's going through some growth right now? What would you say it was the um, was something that helped you manage uh, what I'll what we'll call the detachment? Because you had to be able to cut loose to be able to move on. So, for you, what was that experience like, or what did you lean on to help you get? Yeah, boy, that's experience? a great question. Because I will say that the separation period that we had, and you probably yeah. recall this, was a very, very difficult one at first. Yet not. Mm. I will admit, during the eight or nine months before my ex-business partner and I had our come to Jesus moment, I had been feeling a pull. And it was getting stronger and stronger. And I kept trying to suppress it or deny it, but it was nevertheless there. It was a feeling of what I called at the time untetherment. Like mm -hmm. I was approaching a fork in the stream. I couldn't see where it was. I couldn't see when it was coming and I didn't know where it was gonna go, but I could sense that it was coming and I was in denial about it. Um, so part of what helped in this case was at least there had been signs all along that I had chosen to ignore. Mm. So in terms of dealing, and then once the conversation happened, I was better positioned to be able to look back on those signs and say, well, you know, you were suppressing this or you were thinking about it and then shoving your mind somewhere else um, or shoving it in a place in your, in your psyche that you didn't have to deal with it. Now you're forced to deal with it. So I think that one piece of advice that I might give the folks is to be more cognizant than I was or more honest with themselves with yourself about if you're feeling like the road that you're on isn't quite right if you're feeling a stirring inside that something's off about the road that you're walking on pay attention dive in mm. more deeply 
I was so driven to have this business succeed by the metrics that I had predetermined, I was ignoring the metrics or the signs that, you know, what I call providence was sending over. So, but at least then I was able to sit back and pay more attention to those things. Quickly. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's true. The other big thing was quickly, I was able mm. to understand that this presented opportunity. The grief over what happened took me a number of months to deal with. And there was, especially on my end, an anger phase, although the anger really wasn't justified. I just think it was part of the process. Um, mm -hmm. And a reluctance after a while to separate some fear. But underlying that, at least quickly, on an intellectual level, but gradually seeped into the spiritual level, I understood that the door closing gave me the space to be able to step out of the forest and into the shining city that mm. I had been maybe turning away from or only looking at obliquely beforehand. Man, and that's a again. conscious choice we have to make to think that, and then gradually we feel, but we've got to hammer that in our minds. Well, this is the thing that's so interesting. One of the, there's a lot of interesting things you're saying, um, and the, the 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 thing I'm hearing a lot is that that energetic, emotional, um, spiritual side of the shift. And when I say that specifically, I'm not I'm not talking about like oh like spirit guide. I'm talking about the energy in um, creating a new story, right? Um, in creating a new way of seeing things. Because like really the way that you had seen it is gone. There's a grieving process right there. Like as you were Absolutely. talking about that, I was like, wow, Absolutely. thinking about, um, you know, when I went through my divorce, like there was a grieving process. I had to go to therapy. Thank goodness I had, MK, you know, like the men's group were in like MTP to process this and, and good friends because I actually had to, I, I, it was a grieving process. Yeah, because it's something we said. I wanted it to look a certain way. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, what? Like, hold on, and and that's something to detach from. Especially, it's you know this this when I why I do this is because I, I'm I'm very passionate about men doing the inner work and developing and, and yeah. getting educated, and this is part of it, like recognizing. Yeah. Like there's a, there may be things in our life that we want it to be a certain way that all of a sudden they aren't. Yep. So do we hold on to it like so yeah. tightly that this is only the only thing we see or do we open up and ex expand into something that's scalable, right? Because yeah. the living the other way is really a flash in the pan. And I will say this, you know, the most devastating professional experience that I had in my life actually was the result of me achieving a certain status, this was in um, government, that I had been seeking for many, many years, that I said fairly early on in my career, this is the position that I want, this is what I'm going to do, and I drove hard to get there. There were signs mm. all along that it was not right for me, and that my ultimate destiny was not to be there. I ignored them. And I went through a lot of suffering, pain, and ultimately um, even shame because I was so determined. And I did, you know, I got my goal, but it ended up being the worst situation I was ever in professionally in my life.
Mm. Imagine the power if I had been paying attention to those signals. That being said, perhaps looking back on it all, if I didn't have the experience of having signals plainly pointing me in a single you know, in a direction and me repeatedly ignoring it, only to have the walls um, come crashing down on me, perhaps I wouldn't be as able to really speak about the ability to recover from these catastrophic events, as well as the importance of paying attention to those signs um, with such authenticity and feeling. So in a way, I feel like the providential plan always takes us, not always, but it takes us where it wants us to be. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. I, I would never have dreamed that this would be my life you know, when I was, uh, when I was a government official, and, you know, I can't also imagine now ever looking back and I can barely believe I worked in that sector. I'm a different person. You get it, man. man. You get it's, it. It's so, it, I do, I, cause it's, it's so, yeah. it, man, this, what you're saying is, is, I'm, see, this is why I envision this conversation because there is that growth and evolution and there is there's a space of okay i gotta i i, I would have never i would have never imagined i would have been here yeah right? right and it's like wow and and i'm thinking back like looking on like 20 years ago like i was so rigid like no man you know righteous righteous like no it's gonna happen like this and yeah i'm gonna freaking force and you know yeah this is like the the and it's something it's, it's oh and I, this is something that was coming up for me recently i want to run this by especially in regards to scale and sustain yeah because um when you were just saying listening right listening and paying attention to what was going on the sign i think that those are the ways of, of of being able to monitor the scalability and the sustainability of yeah. something yeah because just blowing right by it and continuing to grow and failing to listen yeah. there's no way of really knowing like okay like is, am i building this on popsicle sticks or am i building this on on cement like yeah. am i building something that like you know something else like what some would say like i'm going to build a foundation some would say this is legacy yeah. like i want to build an umbrella like i don't know whatever it is for whoever's listening yeah but this is an important piece of that about scaling back to listen to the signs that are there because that comes into this growth of this scalability and the sustainability. So Scott, coming back to this question, I want to run by you. I'd like to get your thoughts on um, the concept of rest and recovery as we're going through these scales that you've talked about with the growth scale and sustain. Yeah. Um, I want to know like uh, in our cult, well, let me phrase the question. It, it, well, context first. In our culture, there's a, uh, there's this piece of go, 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 do, 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 must have, 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 attain, achieve, win, compete. Yeah. And I see that as ways of breaking down the body, the psyche, um, the the purpose, the longevity of something, and. I'm curious to know for you, um, what would, like, for you really, like, what is your way of resting, witnessing, and also balancing to make sure that you can do what you're going to set out to do for the long haul? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, for anyone that is an entrepreneur or anyone that feels um, like they are 
that they really want to engage with personal growth and professional growth to be part of that process. Finding that balance with rest and recovery is very difficult. Now, it's interesting. So I worked, as I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier, for 20 years in government. And one strategy I had to advance myself in that system was, it was the easiest strategy in the world in a way, was to simply outwork everyone. Because there were so many people that were strictly nine to five, nearly by staying eight o'clock, nine o'clock, coming in weekends, I was automatically perceived, shoot, you know, staying until 6.30, automatically <laughs> put me in the top tier yeah. of hardest workers <laughs> in the whole room. Um, and what's he trying to prove? I know exactly, it's six thirty. It's ten minutes <laughs> after five. He's still here. <laughs> and you know that was something that was, um, in a way, it taught me a bad lesson because I it caught, taught me that one, you know, out purely outworking, purely just grinding out product was a way to distinguish yourself positively up to a point from your. Um, from the other people around you and to help you advance whatever your agenda was. The now, the other beautiful thing about working for an institution, I worked in the nonprofit sector too, and they also had the structure built in, was this idea of um, you know, paid annual leave and paid sick time. And so I was able to aggregate sick time and annual, particularly annual leave, and take these kick-ass, unbelievable vacations where I really was, and I would always plan them overseas. So no one could reach me. I would be on a bicycle somewhere or somewhere, you know, very in a mountain. So they could try and reach me all they wanted to. They could. That was life. And it, it was beautiful. So I was able to build that in. And then weekends also, you know, I worked a lot of weekends, but every now and then if I got tired of it or on a holiday, I could set it down. When you're an entrepreneur or when you are an owner of a small business, the welfare of that entire business is on your back. And you're very aware of that. So then the equation becomes very different. If you, for instance, are a solopreneur who is reliant on billable hours or a retainer agreement that has certain hours in it to make your income, you have to then weigh um, whether you can sacrifice that income if you take time off. Or you may, um, and again, in order to sort of build yourself and get yourself in a financial place where you feel comfortable so that you can grow and sustain to the next level and prove your viability to as a business, if you want to seek capital, you're going to have to put in that work too. It can be a very delicious poison for someone that's very driven because then that can easily get you into the place where you're gonna go, 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 go and never stop. And that rush of, you know, of moving and getting things done and having output and outcome and new revenue can almost become this addictive, noxious sort of thing. And I'm sure you have seen that, if not experienced it directly yourself. Yes. Forcing it is one thing, but I think the other thing too, I'm gonna step back and move into something more complex, but then funnel it down into a, a smaller answer. One thing I've come to truly appreciate is that when I left organized, large organizational life and moved into business ownership and entrepreneurship, it wasn't until a few years into it that I realized that my role in the overall economic superstructure that we live in had fundamentally changed. Hmm. Even as a top level nonprofit or government executive, I was highly paid and dressed nice, but I was still labor. 
I was being paid for the work that I did. After a while, I began to understand as an entrepreneur or a um, business owner, I actually was part of the capital class. In other words, my responsibility in the economy was the allocation of resources. Mm, I say okay. that that, had, that mindset shift funneled into behavioral shifts because what you do as someone who's responsible for allocating capital, whether it be production, whether it be you know, human capital, whether it be just money, is you have to think if you want to be successful in that role, you have to think strategically. You mm. can't just be thinking about what whatever capital you're allocating is, is going to be doing in the next minute. The ultimate goal is always has to be in mind. And in a way that's obvious, right? Because the minute, for instance, any small business owner or entrepreneur goes and seeks capital for an expansion, they're automatically thinking strategically. Yes, yeah. as a, in the immediate future, they're gonna be you know, undertaking massive debt. But in the long term, it's so that they have more capital to allocate as they feel you know, is appropriate for their life and for their mission, for their corporate mission. Strategy then, tying ourselves to our company, means that we also have to be strategic about ourselves as the, as, um, the entity that is allocating and controlling those resources. If we're caught up in tasks, in busy work, we can perceive ourselves as achieving something, but any hope of developing, let alone actually implementing a strategy is gone. Because without the rest that you need in order to replenish your batteries, in order to have time away, in order to simply think, um, you, you're gonna lose that creativity and that ability to long-term vision, which requires distraction from the day-to-day -day tactical and activity-oriented things going on. So rest and recovery yeah. is from a strategic perspective, absolutely essential. Now we all can and will as entrepreneurs and small business owners go through periods of extreme busyness. I mean, you know, the lockdown months were periods of massive busyness because I needed to get two websites up and I decided to DIY them. Right between that and putting in the underlying systems so that my businesses could have a, a viable infrastructure, massive amount of work. But as we talked about, for instance, in a couple of weeks, I'm going away for a basically a silent retreat that I'm self-creating in a hotel in rural Pennsylvania, because that's yeah. what I'm going to need in order to um, be able to recover from this and begin to really lean into the vision and have that clarity, have that space away from, oh, will you look at the spreadsheet? Oh, what do you think about this small problem? Oh, should we hire this person or fire that? All that sort of thing, which is important, but um, again, it's, it's today, maybe tomorrow. It's not the vision. Yeah, this, this, is, this is a huge piece um, of the personal development. Like I wrote down some things, especially when you talked about being strategic about ourselves. And it's very, it's, it's interesting, man, so many things you're saying, which is freaking spot on. First about, uh, just to dive into being strategic about ourselves, um, there's, a, there's a piece about like knowing, knowing self, right? And really being able to tap in 
And you mentioned about the, 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 when you have that time and the rest of recovery, I forgot you phrased it, but what I heard you say is like, it's getting the person to tap into their creativity. Yeah. And I think as, is, as a person, like as, as a, as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, like, you know, I'm, I'm always looking at like, what are things I could do to bring in streams of income, like streams yeah. of revenue. So, um, because, you know, listen, I have a full-time gig and I have some other things like juice truck dreams, like, yeah. And, and some things to make money, right? And to provide. The thing is, is like, what do I do so that it's scalable? Right? Yeah. And I can sustain it over a long period of time because, you know, what I love what you said is about the delicious poison. And I have I have had drinks of this elixir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is delicious. Yeah. And, you know, it was that point where it's like I was, you know, doing the work at 5 a.m., like how you're talking about the government job. Like, yo, this is, did you go to bed? Did you go to bed? Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm yeah. working. Yeah. And I crash. And there's a couple ways that I would crash. So for men that are listening or people listening, it, this is the, this, the, the crash would be I would blow up at someone. Oh, yeah. The crash would be I would get a migraine so I wouldn't be able to do anything. Or the crash would be like I would just be physically and mentally exhausted, and I would usually get end up getting sick, and like, and that's how I know. And the thing is, is like I failed to recognize and acknowledge it. Now, the thing that also I wanted to check in with you on was, and there's something else I want to get to before we before we wrap up. But the thing I want to check in with you on is now um, as I'm working my business, like we talked about in the mastermind you know, like the, a program that I'm going to be coming out with this fall, I'm looking at what are the ways that like I could bring myself to this and do it in a way that's sustainable first. Cause like I had to switch this on like, okay, I've grown. So like now I'm building something that I could do over a long haul. And then at some point I want to see if this is scalable so I could back out of this, then cool. Otherwise I'm going to like, Hey, yeah. I'm winding this down. I'm going to take less clients, more money, like or, or more more whatever it is like yeah. I'm servicing people differently yeah and and there's there's a piece to this this that I think is helpful for more people to hear and what I, I heard it from you is is the evolution like you're different than you you're different now than you were right and that's trying to live in the past and trying to have it look a certain way yeah. So I um before I want to I want to use the three and and and, and talk about it for, in relation to another topic. Before I do that though, any thoughts or comments about like that that last piece about like the strategic strategy about self and or just even just about the overall growth to scale and sustain. Yeah, I think that two things. Number one, if you really, as you correctly, sort of pulled out from the conversation we understand that our life itself has a strategic component. It helps us focus. And very few people, I can only speak for myself, but I, you know, the folks I've talked to, um, very few people can resist the temptation to get caught up in whatever it is before us. It might be exciting or shiny or fun or gratifying. Right. I mean, I know I've been as guilty of it as anyone and truly focus on, what the long-term objectives are. I mean, you know, the latest episode of The Walking Dead that looks so good, I've got to watch it, is very easy for me to pull into as opposed to spending that hour reading something that I know I need to read in order to continue to build the skill sets that I have to have in order to fulfill my potential. 
So that's number one, understanding that our life is a strategy, not just a reaction to whatever currents are tossing at our, at our raft. And then number two, understanding that growth and scaling of who of our business is tied to us scaling our knowledge base, our creativity, our openness to new ideas, and our vision for our future. But sustainable. You know, I was reading a book yesterday that mentioned in passing Napoleon, who sort of kind of came under the scene in France out of the blue, had this explosive level of success, then slammed down hard. Mm. We don't want to, and I think the you know, word you described was, we don't want to build our successes on popsicles, nor do we want to, uh, and if we're not really growing ourselves internally, then I think that those successes are going to be more likely than not built on popsicles. So I think that's point number one. And then point number two is simply to always be thinking, as it sounds like you're doing, and I would recommend for anyone, not just in terms of entrepreneurship or small business, not just thinking in terms of survivability, but thinking into how can you have um, a, a, an organization or a, an infrastructure underneath you so that you can, as much as possible, be sustainable. Look, the recent outbreak really showed companies that had multiple revenue streams, exactly that you're talking about, or who were had the staff under them that were enabled to put them in a position where they were able to be as leaders, creative, and to pivot um, and adapt to new things were not 100% successful. Nothing in life is guaranteed, but they were far more likely to be able to sustain themselves through this. And of course, those visionary ones are going to be the ones that make it um, and go to a whole other level in the great beyond this year, whatever that looks like. True. Wow. So I heard life is a strategy and also growth. And what, how I took it is growth and scaling is tied to our capacity to do both. And it so will, we get to yeah. ourselves. And will enable us to sustain. Mm, interesting. Both as businesses and as people. So, man, thank you for that. So no, here's thank you. the... My pleasure. Uh, now, this is the other one I wanted to talk to you about, right? Um, is how, how would you apply the growth, scale, and sustain model to the division, the human divide that's happening right now in society? Yeah. To, for us to get to human connection. You don't make it easy on your guests, do you? No, that is I a. T- I thought I was supposed to just come in here and slide my way into some smooth talking, easy answers, and there you come out with something big, big picture like that. <laughs> I will say, though, my initial thinking on this mm-hmm. is that part of what we have done as a culture has not been to grow, scale, and especially create something that's sustainable. Now, superficially, a segment of our population has grown economically. And militarily, it's at least arguably arguable that we have successfully grown, although even that I think is, is debatable. But have we as a people and as a culture grown in a way that allows us to truly scale our intentions, our values out into the world and have them be sustainable? 
I'm seeing pretty strong evidence that we have not. You know, the ethos that we began to move into, I'm sure that people would disagree about this. I personally observe it as having started in the 80s. Greed is good, self-interest, you know, corporate responsibility being solely narrowed to the interests of the shareholders, forget about, you know, the problem, you know, the common interests or social responsibility or, you know, responsibilities to employees or to, um, you know, or, or any consideration of the tragedy of the commons leading to environmental issues and things like that. But also the ethos that um, what we want is what we should be going for at all costs. And what our desires are should be the framer for all that our actions and ju appropriate justifications is something that we are seeing now is truly not sustainable. Mm. Think about it. Yeah. If we had all along said division between human beings based on things like race, sexual orientation or the treatment that we have of other people is something that we value as a society and that will create a more sustainable society even purely from an economic perspective we might be looking at a very different picture right now it's hard to argue for instance that the social unrest caused by the floyd um the george floyd murder was good for business was good for economic growth there were riots, there were protests, there were businesses boarding themselves up and a huge amount of, of uncertainty and, and social turmoil that resulted from that. Imagine if all along we had said, we need to have an ethos of growth that includes our internal growth, how we relate to others, how we treat others, the role of empathy in, our, in ourselves and, in, and as externalized into public policy. Even when people look different than us, then, conceive of what that would have meant for those that would seek to divide us or for those that that um might be tempted to sort of give into their smaller selves and see others as less than human therefore more disposable social disruption social unrest are not good for prosperity the coronavirus is a whole other thing that a lot of people have spoken about um, you know, on the one hand, we have become more interconnected as a society, but the United States, which has really focused this message on get what I want at all costs, puts us in a position where, and I'm not talking about people who can't wear masks or who have various other issues that keep them from being able to comply with every single safety protocol, but where you literally have people saying, you know what? I want to go to a party. Yes, I may be a carrier and kill someone's grandmother, but at least I got to go to the disco. Right. Those sorts of things we're seeing are now not um, are now hurting our economy more than if we had been willing to have internal growth and saying, you know, this is an opportunity for me to change. Yeah. You know, I'm going to yeah. be a little bit outspoken here on the mask issue because I've learned to like wearing it, and it's a habit I want to re I want to retain. If there's a coronavirus vaccine tomorrow, so what? I don't like getting colds. I don't like getting flus. If I simply wear a mask in the subway, every cold and flu season, I might not get a sick. That little bit of 
personal growth, that adjustment on my end, that reframing could have huge potential dividends if you're talking about every cold and flu season for the rest of my life. Right. War. Um, you know, when we declared our first war in, against Iraq, the president at the time said that one of the benefits of the war would be better um, energy pricing. That then says that in terms of consideration whether other human lives should exist or not, our needs for energy were coming first. Imagine we had a robust conservation movement. Um, imagine we had a cultural imperative where, um, where everyone sort of was like, oh, you know, if I don't really need it, maybe I don't have to have it. Mm. The access to energy that we have had might not have been as desperate. And again, war loss of life, lack of access to the full range of human capital, all of these things do not help our prosperity. Rising no. you know, social policies that exacerbate um, income inequality. A truly prosperous country could be even more prosperous if there were people able to spend money, if cash flow throughout the economy were more plentiful so I think that, um, you know, really what you're talking about, the concept of growth, scaling, and sustaining, especially the concept of sustaining, right. is actually, if we pull it out and make it more and more macro, something that applies to all of us. Now, I'm not necessarily making a political statement here. I'm just making this as a statement as someone who, is in, who believes in the human race, who believes in human potential, and wants right. us all to be as prosperous simply and and wants us as a society, to be, society be, to be sustainable simply because that's how our species is going to accomplish everything that's possible. I don't even have children. So in a way, I could sit back and say, I don't care. Um, so long as I have 10 extra cents in my pocket, who cares if my children or someone else's grandchildren die you know, of, of some future pandemic? That's not creating something that's sustainable. That's all of us growing to be less than we can be. I want us to all be our most because I love us all. My most people. Mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. um, Scott Mason, twenty twenty, still get on that ballot, yeah. man. Um, listen, um, just letting you know because like you, you hit it, man, in so many different ways there. Because like you know, this is this is the piece, like the, the growth this this whole time that we're that we're experiencing right now is the growth like because it's it's giving us i've been telling people since this whole thing started like make sure you have time to sell yeah. okay whatever it is and even like I, I i applaud and acknowledge you for taking that time to yourself to reset because it's something that we tend to stray away from as a collective as a society yeah. and what happens is, is we end up doing things that are far from scalable and far yeah. from sustainable so all yeah. of a sudden we grow and then like flash in the pain, like, okay, I'm going to do this and do this. And I see it as far as like, you know, um, for, for anti-racism, for equity uh, efforts, for politics, like yeah. everybody's like, it's like a rah-rah. And then people, and I noticed something in myself that I also project out on society is that we want, we want the shiny thing, right? Yeah. The mundane a task of like every day, putting going, clocking in, clocking out something that's going to constantly over time erode at an old way and produce something new. Like, and there's, there's where I see that, that, that 
sustainability and also as we grow what's something about the growth that help that we can scale because now we'll be able to do it by scaling yeah. it. it's not going to be all on me and i could sustain whatever effort i'm putting into yeah. whatever i'm doing like you know um showing up and really learning about local politics or like you know what are the things i could do to help out with healthcare as far as like getting people to take care of your immune system yeah. by the way people if you take care of yourself like you know you have some elderberry syrup or like some you boost your immune system with just you know maybe some fast and some food tricks and dandies taking care of yourself you know you may be you can survive yeah uh, and before one thing i want to claim is like i laughed a little bit before when we were talking about people you know um how people will you know, want to want to have their rights, right? In our society, they want to have what they have, and really, I was laughing about that. And I, you know, I was I was laughing because, like, I see that as what's happening in the culture, and I, you know, I'm, it's it wasn't my intention to laugh at like the impact that this is having on families. And it's like I'm I'm dead I'm shocked that you know people want to have their freedoms rather than look at like, hey, listen, this is something that we, we let's just be cautious or aware of each other or acknowledgeable acknowledgeable. Now it's like, hey, they may be scared, even though I'm not. So look, I'm gonna rock this. So like, you gonna rock that? Okay, go ahead. Right? Well, That's something, you know. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to, but I do think that there's a couple of things that I, I have to say, um, mm -hmm. sort of hearing what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, um, years ago, I traveled in India, and one of the fascinating things that you find out there is that the monkey population loves shiny things. If you're eating a sandwich out of tin foil, they'll grab the tin foil. They'll snatch jewelry out of your hands. They'll, you know, they'll want little coins or things like that. And seeing that, it made me realize that the attraction to shiny things, that attraction to an instant gratification of something that's pretty and excites us, is a legacy of our animal ancestry. But we are more than that we don't necessarily see that for what it is. We've disconnected ourselves from acknowledging our animal side to such an extent that if you see animals that are kind of like us, but not really, engaging these, in these behaviors, um, traditional vices like greed or that desire to just have something in the moment becomes so much more apparent. Part of what distinguishes us from other animals is that we are able to move beyond that. And so mm -hmm. the idea of saying, I'm not going, and there's pleasure associated with that. And so mm -hmm. in our short, in our desire for the short-term goodies of money right now, a higher, um, you know, 10 cents in my stock market or a few dollars savings in my taxes this year, combined us to the rewards, the freedom of the quote unquote freedom of not wearing a mask. And again, I'm not talking about those who can't wear them for various reasons, but of those who say, well, this is my freedom. There's also real, or because I, I, I don't like not having to wear a mask. There's real power. And I find it unbelievably gratifying to wear that mask and to say, I've developed a new habit that's going to keep me safer, that's going to protect my family that's going to um that's going to keep me from getting sick years down the road we forget that there are pleasures associated you know in the greek myth of sisyphus the torture was him rolling up a hill only to have it roll down that's because the greeks understood that there's true pleasure in pushing a stone up the hill 
and then seeing it roll down the other side. We've forgotten that myth. We've forgotten the lesson underneath it. And so I do want to say that that is something, when it comes to sustainability, the creation of something that is sustainable as a matter of culture or society is something we could feel indescribable joy, pleasure, and pride in if we can remember that those pleasures and joys are there for our taking. The other thing too, I read recently about a study of wolves versus dogs. And wolves, they attempted to, the people that just attempted to raise wolf cubs with humans to see whether they would just act the same as dogs or whether there were some trait differences that were distinct due to the many years that dogs have been associated with humans. And in little tiny cubs, as I remember this right, um, oh, there was maybe some difference, but not much. But as the wolves became older, they also lacked that self-discipline. If you'd open a refrigerator, the wolf would go for the food. Whereas the dog had the self-discipline to sit there, look, it might whine a little bit, but it would wait until the food was given it to, given to them. In light of, and then so that on some subconscious level, the dog itself is able to understand delayed gratification and the benefits to it as a species, as well as an individual and an individual animal. I raise that because it goes as to what species is more successful. Wolves are endangered. Dogs rule the world. When you think about that, even dogs as a species have learned the concept of sustainability. They were willing to sacrifice their freedom, you know, the, the right to grab the, whatever food is in front of them, even if the human doesn't want them to have it. But what have they gained? They say, if we ever move colonies into outer space, dogs will go with us. What a reward. Perhaps wow. the concept of grow, scaling, and sustaining is something that we should consider a little bit more flexible. Mic drop, bling, 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 bling. Hey. Man, Brent, man, listen, that was, because I, 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 could, I could see, we asked another question, we'll be here another hour, and listen, man, we'll have to save that for part two. Before we wrap up, though, I know you got a program coming up, man, so can you talk to the people about what you got coming up, man? Absolutely. How they can reach, reach you. Thank you. So I'll answer that in a couple of ways. First of all, regarding the program, on July 26th, I am collaborating with two great speakers and thought leaders, Oleg Lohid and Sejal Thacker, to form, Sejal Thakar, I'm sorry, to um, work on a virtual summit that will include people from around the United States coming, connecting and sharing um, on the theme of surviving to thrive um, with the understanding that our past does not determine our future. We're going to be talking about um, topics related to overcoming our fears, um, how we manage them to uh, be resilient, and then how to build action plans to actually have the motivational and growth insights that we've worked on become something that in the future you can, as we've discussed throughout this hour, sustain and lead to lasting, lasting change. So um, you can find out about that by simply um, going to my Instagram, s.scott underscore Mason. That's s.scott underscore Mason. And if you go to either my website or look at any of the posts we have there, you're going to find it. But you can also simply type in the words, survive to thrive. Your past doesn't determine your future. 
and that is going to be incredible. If you want more information about it from me directly, you should feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, at scottmasonllc.com. S-C-O-T-T, at scottmasonllc.com. And I will happily send you that information. It's going to be, look, it's a, it's a nationwide summit. We're going to make sure that people have a chance to talk and connect while they talk, you know, while they can share as we work through these issues. The other two speakers are extraordinary. One is um, a employment lawyer and a chief civility officer of an amazing corporation. Um, and the other is a podcaster and public speaker and organizer and thinker mm. beyond your wildest imaginations. I think all of us together, we're gonna hopefully trigger a supernova of human change that will cascade <laughs> and be sustainable. Yes, I believe it, man. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be a supernova or some tectonic plates shifting. Exactly. From that, man. Exactly. Listen, man. Uh, and you you mentioned how to reach you on Instagram, also on your yep. on your page, scottmasonllc.com. Absolutely. Also the email is scott at scottmasonllc.com. Absolutely. The, the uh, Instagram was s dot scott underscore right? mason. Okay, got you. S. Scott at underscore Mason. Listen, I, I, for people that are listening to this, this is only a fraction. This is only a fraction. Check this dude out. Follow this dude. His videos are are on point. His words are on point. Like, well, listen, you've you. been a true inspiration to me. Um, I always look to your energy and your positivity as something to aspire to. And um, I view the light that you radiate out in the world as something that is truly sustainable because it has sustained me. Mm. And I've learned a lot from you. So that's why it, you know, anyone smart enough to listen to this podcast is going to be getting a lot of good stuff out of it. And thank you for bringing it into this world. You're extraordinary, man. Thank you. Oh, I look at you getting all bashful here. Yeah, I'm like, man, we'll you know fix what, that. man? That's why I'm like, yo, it's getting dark out here. You know what? Can't be Can't be blessing. Um, and Scott, I appreciate you so much for you. taking this time and, and being able to bless us with this wisdom. I'd love to have you back on, man. And, uh, and I thank you. happily do it, and it'll be a blast. I look forward to seeing you every Monday. My man. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Again, this is thank Scott you. Mason. I'm Paul Newell, host of the Men Talk About podcast. Tune in. Listen, this is about men. This is also for, for uh, honing in and developing masculine energy. It's about our development, about our education, about our inner work. This is stuff we can do, and we can do it by sharing this wisdom that we have collectively as a village. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. Until next time, peace. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what I tell you? Hmm? Hmm? Gems. Uh, and, and listen, maybe this is my perspective because I've known this, I've known Scott, I've known this guy for, for a year and some change. I've seen him, I see him, I hear him, I, I experience him. So it might just be me. And hey, I'm okay with that. And I'm making a judgment that, and a prediction that you most likely came away with one thing that you can use going forward, either in your personal life or professional life. So stay connected. ScottMasonLLC.com. Check him out. Join the web. Go to his website. Check the events. 
this dude's got wisdom and, and the people that he aligns with have wisdom too uh, actually because i'm one of the people he's aligned with yeah buddy <laughs> so thank you all for coming in and checking out the men talk about podcast i'm excited that you were able to listen to this and i'm excited for what's next and what's coming up for you subscribe follow share jot down notes listen again because as you listen other things come up depending on where you are in your life so enjoy be well thanks for tuning in to the men talk about podcast later <laughs>